0: You are about to listen to the Friends of Anchor podcast, which keeps you up to date with the inspirational work of the Friends of Anchor Charity and everything that it's doing to support cancer and hematology care in the northeast of Scotland.
1: Hello and welcome to episode four of the Friends of Anchor Podcast. I'm Mike Elder, your podcast host. And in today's show, I will be interviewing Louise Budge about the new Anchor Centre, discussing how we told our children about my diagnosis, and sharing some thoughts on the 1998 film *Stepmom*. Let's begin, though, by hearing from Erica Banks about news and updates relating to the charity, including, to start with, her reflections on the Supporter Thank You event that took place at the start of October.
2: It was a lovely day. We had about just shy of 200 people through the doors at the Institute of Medical Sciences. Purpose of the day was really just to let them know how the funds over the past few years have been spent in research and in patient well-being and medical equipment we had a full day, kind of freshers fair style, with clinicians showing off the equipment that's been funded through the years, researchers taking groups of people off on lab tours. So off they trotted down the corridors to go to, you know, lab tour number one where X, Y, or Z happens. And the lab tours were all fully subscribed. Tremendous. People learning about breast cancer and various different types of cancers. They came back and said that the tours were super engaging. I think that just drives home the impact of every penny given by fundraisers and donors.
1: Absolutely. That sounds great. And this month, our focus, rather than being on fundraising events, I think is going to be on well-being as a really important strand of Friends of Anchor.
2: Well, it's perfect timing for that question because after such a long period of a lot of our services being on hold or impaired in some way due to the pandemic, so many of our services have come back online in full strength. And as of November, we've got some nice additions back into the well-being service provision. Uh-huh. So a couple of dates for people's calendars. Our next well-being patient retreat is on January the 14th. So this is quite a new thing for Friends of Anchor. We've done two to date, and this will be our third. And it's a day to come along and try out some of our therapies and services. So there's a mindfulness taster session on the day. You can also sample our therapies like the nail tech therapies and massage. See what support is out there for you from Friends of Anchor. It's a chance to meet the team if you're going to be in for treatment on a regular basis or an irregular basis. It's a chance to see who can offer you an extra layer of support when you're in for your treatment and care. So that's on January the 14th. Sounds great. Best way to register for that would be to email wellbeing at friendsofanchor.org. So for any services that the wellbeing team provides, that's a really easy and simple way to get in touch. Also, you can get in touch through our website, which is very easy to remember, friendsofanchor.org.
1: Great. And what else?
2: So new services coming online. Let me tell you a little bit about those. We'll soon be starting a new listening service. So a big thing that people tell us in Friends of Anchor or they'll write to us or when we're chatting to them is the difference that it can make just having someone popping into the room if they're an inpatient to say a quick hello and see how they're doing and just be there for a chat if that's what somebody wants. And we hear a lot of good about that. So we're switching on a new listening service. Okay. Which is going to be a dedicated service run by a fantastic volunteer called Ashlyn. She's got so much experience in this area. And that'll just be a chance for her to be someone to pop in and be unconnected to your medical care, unconnected to the NHS, just to sit and have a chat. And if there's anything patients would like to offload, then that's a chance to do it.
1: That's really good. Anything else?
2: Yes. Oh, there's plenty going on. We also have patient packs. We've carefully built individual packs to contain items that are relevant to people at certain points in their treatment journey. And now it's all packaged together in this really useful box that just contains everything that they need at that moment in time. And the newest pack that we've put together is a radiotherapy treatment pack. So that will be given to patients when they embark on radiotherapy treatment radiotherapy is a final point in the treatment experience for a lot of people and it can be a point in time where people find themselves saying okay I'm coming to the end but I still maybe feel as though there could be an additional support that I could benefit from. We hear sometimes that treatment's over and all of a sudden it doesn't so much feel as though the support's there anymore so this box comes with a signposting leaflet I suppose for want of a better word just to bring people up to speed with what else is out there. The idea is to signpost them to other services from Friends of Anchor and from other third sector charity organisations that could be useful to them at that point in time. Community support, financial support, getting back to work support, all of this stuff is out there in Aberdeen. So this is a concerted effort to make sure that they've got that information to hand as well.
1: That's really good. And are there any final points that you'd like to make on the wellbeing theme?
2: I think it would be good to let people know that our therapists are back in full force massage is back in the wards and inpatients and outpatients. Our nail services are back, podiatry is back. So all of these services can be booked or therapists can be pulled in on the day that you're in for treatment. So look out for the wellbeing team in the red t-shirts and make use of them because that's what they're there for.
1: And just before we finish, Erica, I know that you're getting very excited about Christmas and I imagine that you'd like to tell us about how Friends of Anchor can help us with our Christmas shopping.
2: We love Christmas at Friends of Anchor. We do get pretty excited about it. We have a full Christmas shop at the moment with lots of stocking fillers and great gifts as well. So we've got personalised Christmas baubles. We've got a very special arrangement with Father Christmas and some personalised letters and Santa boxes. Excellent. Yeah, that's great fun. And good gifts to Really cosy hoodies, water bottles, lovely little silver earrings, cookbooks. There's a lot of choice on our Christmas shop so people can see what's available by going onto our website and just tapping on the Christmas section.
1: Brilliant. There's Christmas sorted for you, listeners. Yep. (laughs) Thank you so much, Erica, and we'll look forward to getting a further update next month. Thanks for having me. My guest for this episode's interview is Louise Budge, Service and Commissioning Project Manager for the Beard and Anchor Project. I asked her, first of all, to tell us a bit about herself.
3: I am a Service and Commissioning Project Manager employed by NHS Grampian for the Beard and Anchor Project. I've worked in NHS for nearly thirty years, starting off as a secretary, and then I moved down to Aberdeen. I'm originally from Wick. Those of us from Wick are referred to as dirty wickers. Very proud of that title and during consultation events when I've gone to be with the Brave Models from Friends of Anchor catwalk shows, quite a few of them have just heckled me and shouted, dirty Weaker at me as I've stood talking to them.
1: Well, that's the Brave Models for you. There'll be no heckling during this conversation, I promise. So please tell me about the Anchor Centre.
3: The Anchor Centre is part of the Baird and Anchor project which is a 244 million pound investment in NHS Grampian from Scottish government
1: Sounds okay when you say it quickly
3: It does yes we don't we don't think of it Julie I like to say to my boss every now and again it's nearly quarter of a billion pounds and then watch as the color drains out of her face I can imagine it will be, though, that we are providing two state-of-the-art facilities on the Forsterhill Hill Health Campus. And whilst they're based in Aberdeen, we do serve the population for Grampian, Orkney and Shetland. The Baird Family Hospital will provide services for all maternity services, breast services, gynaecological services, inpatient and outpatient. Mm-hmm. And there's also six theatres going to be in there and a patient hotel, which will be free of charge. Primarily for our patients who do come from Orkney and Shetland. And the Anchor Centre from one of your previous podcasts, people will know, is the Aberdeen and North Centre for Haematology, Oncology and Radiotherapy. And it will be providing our day patient and outpatient accommodation for our patients from haematology and oncology and those who are coming to get their radiotherapy.
1: And that will be quite a change from the, the current provision in that area.
3: Absolutely. We have been on the wards recently, lots of work going on in regards to equipment audits, what will transfer, what will be new. And when you go on to the wards just now and see what accommodation they're in and knowing what they're going to be moving to next year, it's astounding. And it just means that on the days where you think, oh, we're never getting anywhere, you know we are getting there and you think that's what we're here to do.
1: Yeah. In the last few weeks, the opening date, the launch date, has just been announced. Uh, Perhaps you can tell us a bit about that because that's very exciting.
3: It is extremely exciting and just a wee bit scary. We have now launched our year to go. We will be opening our doors to the Anchor Centre in September 2023.
1: Woohoo! Woohoo!
3: No pressure. (laughs) It is amazing. We've done a social media launch, and it's great because on our social media platforms, every few days, there will be somebody telling their side of what they think they are most excited about for the new Anchor Centre. We've got about 19 videos coming. I think our chief executive will finish Mm. the videos, and our clinical lead, Professor Mike Greaves, started the videos. And nurses, domestics, everybody who is so excited about the Anchor Centre, have made a contribution.
1: Brilliant. And your own role in this exciting project is, is what?
3: So I have to say that I am part of an amazing, an amazing team. Their experience, their commitment, their expertise is second to none. They are so passionate about doing what we can and delivering what we can within the constraints of public money. So we have everybody from a project director to Clarksville Works, our secretaries, all encompassing clinical, non-clinical. So my role as a service and commissioning project manager, can you tell I've practiced saying that a few times, is a link between the project team and service. Okay. So basically it means that I get to speak to service, make sure that what they're looking for, what they are needing gets translated over into project land, but equally what we can provide gets translated back. So, for example, bizarrely, if somebody says that they want to have a 25-square-metre dance hall, then I can say, no, can't do that. (laughs) However, what we can have is a space that could be used for something other than just doing some teaching and education. So it's just being that that link back and forth between what service needs and what my job is within project. My job will significantly change over the next 12 months as we move into the functional commissioning phase, and that is when we actually get the building ready for occupation by the service.
1: Okay, a key phase.
3: It is, it is, and it means that everything that we've gathered from service, their needs, from all the consultations that we've done with staff, with patients, with public... All accumulates until a nine-week period where the building becomes ours as NHS Grampian. It's handed over from Graham Construction. Okay. And we have nine weeks to get everything in, tested, cleaned, functional, ready for opening the doors on a Monday morning.
1: I guess you're not taking holiday in July or August or September next year. None
3: at all. None at all. And then afterwards, I'm just going to lie in a darkened corner. Fair enough. So, Yes.
1: And can you explain to us the relationship between Friends of Anchor and the Anchor Project and how you get involved in that as well?
3: So Friends of Anchor are just phenomenal. I've spent a long time practicing that word because I can never say it. Syllable perfect. Phenomenal. and They are fantastic. They have provided the project team with so many opportunities for us to go and speak to the people who are going to be using the building. I like to refer to everybody coming through the Anchor Centre as having a wheel and every single one of us takes a role as a spoke in that wheel and Friends of Anchor have their very own spoke. Everybody needs everybody to get that wheel still turning. NHS has a spoke, Friends of Anchor has a spoke, voluntary sectors have a spoke, everybody's got a spoke. Friends of Anchor provide services that NHS is not funded for. They're not core funding, but it's those services that make the patient's journey bearable. Coming into an environment which will now be light, airy, friendly, welcoming, they will experience having the Friends of Anchor host team meet them at the door. It's quite daunting first coming over a threshold for a building, especially when you come not knowing what you're coming for. Absolutely. So those smiling faces that will be there, that little bit of comfort, they will be there to greet them when they come in. But Friends of Anchor, as you know, are a service that are there, but they're not in your face. So you can seek them out. They're quietly there. They will provide the welcoming service. They will be providing the refreshment cart, which allows people to have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or water before they go to their appointment. They will be having people available to help with the information space. Upstairs on the first floor, they will have a complimentary therapy room. I'm very excited about this. Half will be for massage and half will be for podiatry and for hairdressing. It's important that we have a private space because not everybody wants to have that discussion out with. And it also means that when patients are coming through and they're not fit to have any services at their chair side, there's still an opportunity for them to benefit from a complementary therapy on a day where they are feeling better. That's good. So, Friends of Anchor, I can't say enough good things about them. They've been very tolerant with me. I just turn up all the time and speak too much, and I'm just <laughs> I, I, I can't it. believe
1: that for a <laughs> moment, Louise.
3: <laughs> I do. Anybody will tell you, and they stand at the back of the room when I'm doing a talk, a presentation, consultation, and they're very polite and they give you the hand movement as if to speed you up, and eventually they just go time, Louise, and I still ignore them. But an amazing partnership, an amazing charity, 25 years of supporting yeah. the anchor unit just amazing
1: and i think friends of anchor have probably been involved with your patient consultation as well
3: yes our patients and staff and public have been very forthcoming with what they would like and friends of anchor have facilitated that they have been generous with their time and allowing us to come and gatecrash their courage on the catwalk rehearsals their brave rehearsals Just this past week, we were at the donor event that they held in the medical services building on Forrester Hill campus and allowed us there as well to spread more word about the Anchor Centre, explain and highlight the partnership with Friends of Anchor and NHS Grampian they are undertaken to fundraise £2 million to deliver the difference for the Anchor Centre.
1: Fantastic.
3: It is amazing. It is astronomical what they're doing, what they've achieved, but also it allows us to make sure all the way through when we speak to patients and we say things like, what is it you're looking for? What's important to you? What matters to you? So that's what Friends of Anchor do as well. They give us choice. They make sure that patient's choice is heard.
1: Fantastic. Now that's... Really good. So, Louise, in terms of dates and the 10 months or so ahead, can you just tell us about any key dates during that time, what we should look out for?
3: So we're now into November. So in November and December, we will be doing some consultation with public patients and staff around the ARCH strategy. So look out for an invite there, which will come via Friends of Anchor as to how you can be involved in the ARCH strategy. Great. In January, February, there's another Friends of Anchor event that we're hoping to come along to and speak to people about chairs, as in waiting room chairs. Okay. Very exciting stuff.
1: Very important.
3: During the nine weeks of the functional commissioning phase is where we will have open days and we will be in touch with Friends of Anchor to facilitate how we get people who've helped us in to see the building before it opens.
1: Terrific. That's really helpful to know. And I believe that you've been known to don a Friends of Anchor volunteer t-shirt yourself on occasion. Is that right?
3: Absolutely.
1: Is that just because Erica's so bossy or is it because...
3: No, it's because I'm so bossy and I want to be there. I want to be involved. I want to see what's happening. Even my dog has got a red... He's not got a red t-shirt, I'm going to tolerate that, but he's got a dog bandana.
1: Fantastic.
3: Sarah Jane described it in her podcast as being part of a family and that's what they are. The Red Army is a family. Definitely. And sometimes you might only see these people once a year. But when you see them, it's like you just saw them yesterday. And it's actually a privilege to be able to give my time back and to see just amazing things that they do. And we've done courage and we've done brave. And one thing I will never repeat, though, ever, is that we did some fundraising for Friends of Anchor when they did the Anchor Wipeout. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. And our project team was Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. So our technical supervisor at the time, Hammy, dressed up beautifully as Snow White and the rest of us dressed up as dwarfs. So here I am as grumpy and a red tutu and, <laughs> yeah, and stripy socks and the hat, the dwarf hat, everything. It, it was not a pretty sight. However, what was less pretty was the fact when we were doing the obstacles, I got stuck. Oh no. Yes, stuck with my head at one end and my red tutu at the other end, and the commentator laughing saying, Are you okay? I went to look like I'm okay. So I love Friends of Anchor, I love wearing my red t shirt, I will never, ever dress up as a dwarf and do Wipeout ever again.
1: I'm not quite sure how to follow that, except perhaps by asking you for some final reflections on the Anchor Centre project.
3: So, Graham Construction are who. Are responsible for the building of these buildings and that's what they do they build buildings we are so much more than building a building we are creating an environment we are creating a space for our patients to get the best possible care we're creating a space for our patients relatives carers friends whoever's accompanying them for them to know that they're going to get the best possible care we're also creating a space for our staff our staff relentlessly give their very best. They're amazing. And we just want to make sure that they are in a facility where they will have a dedicated staff room with a dedicated terrace.
1: Terrific.
3: We went on a site visit last week and I was there with a couple of people from the anchor unit just now. And one of which at the first time she'd been on site to the site visit and she was emotionally overcome at the space that her staff will now get great and then she went out and walked into the treatment area and could immediately envisage herself speaking to patients seeing how the patients were going to be enjoying the space there are what we class as touchdown spaces within the big treatment area which means the staff will have line of sight of the patients at all time great not going to be tucked away behind a corner and worrying that they can't see them that's really good yeah, she was she was just blown away. And that is, do you know, Mike, on a day when you think, why are we doing this? Why are we, you know, having this long conversations about taps and long conversations about drains? And then you do that site visit and you think that's why we're doing it. Yeah. And that's why, that's why we're here. Yeah. And you go home at night going... Yeah, we've got this. Um, don't get me wrong, we're going to have missed things. We're going to get things wrong. Well, of course, yeah. We're going to go into the building on the first day and we're all going to go, how on earth did we all manage to miss that? But with a project which will be, you know, eight years in the making, it's going to happen. But it's stuff that we know we can hopefully fix. But we also know that there's a bit of every single one of us in our project team is in that building. And that's that's what we're here for. NHS. You go into NHS where a purpose, Yeah, the patient is always front and centre, always focal, and that's why we do what we do.
1: Terrific. And have you got perhaps a final message for Friends Vanka and the Friends Vanka team?
3: I really want to say thank you. I cannot express enough how grateful I am towards them not just as a charity and everything they're doing but as individual people they're amazing and they they make me want to be a better person when it comes to my job knowing what they are doing for our patients.
1: And what would you like to say in closing to people who are currently fundraising or are thinking about doing an event?
3: Thank you. Do it. Do it. Go and dress up as grumpy. Do whatever you need to do. Just do it. But thank you. Every single penny that you raise makes a difference. And it doesn't matter what it is you do. It doesn't matter how big, how small. Just get involved and do it. If you've got an opportunity to pull on a red T-shirt, do it. It is an amazing and humbling experience. So thank you so much for everything that you've done, whether it's been for the Anchor Together appeal, whether it's been the last 25 years for helping Anchor Unit and everything that they've funded during that time. Thank you.
1: Great. And thank you, Louise, for coming on to the podcast. I've enjoyed it far more than I thought I would. When Erica said you must get Louise on to talk about the Anchor Project, I thought, okay, we'll do that, but it might be a bit dry, but I didn't know we'd be talking in such a fascinating (laughs) way about taps and drains and grumpy during wipeout, etc., etc. So thank you very much indeed, Louise.
3: Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.
1: One of the joys of this next part of the podcast, the From the Archives slot, is that I get to find out about some of the weird and wonderful ways in which Friends of Anchor supporters have raised money for the charity. On this occasion, I'm going to focus on the efforts of staff from a regional airline in 1999 because it's a great example of the kind of resourcefulness, perseverance and creativity that fundraisers have demonstrated over the years. The most striking element of the Press and Journal article in which this story appeared is the brilliant picture of Don Yule key account manager for British Regional Airlines, being propelled along enthusiastically on a hospital trolley by oncology consultant Dr Andrew Hutchin. The kilt-wearing Mr Yule is clearly having a whale of a time, but looks as if he may come tumbling off his chosen mode of transport at any moment because he is laughing so much and has relinquished his grip on the sides of the trolley in order to wave extravagantly at the photographer. The article then explains For Dr Hutchin was assisting Mr Yule to complete a challenge being undertaken by 20 airline staff to visit every airport in Britain using any type of transport, apart from aircraft. The group's efforts raised a national total of £10,500, with more than £1,500 of that amount being donated to the Friends of Anchor Appeal. Mr Yule had worn the kilt and a CU Jimmy hat throughout his involvement in the challenge, including when skiing in the Birmingham Snowdome. The article concludes by reporting that Dr. Hutchin had been surprised by some of the means of travel that had been used during the challenge, and his reaction becomes entirely understandable once those forms of transport are listed. A wheelbarrow, a baggage trolley, a skateboard, a fire engine, a tractor, a steam engine, a crane, skis, a snowboard, a parachute, camels, penny farthings, a dumper truck, and a Viking ship. Moving on to our Finding for Words segment, I'm joined, as ever, by my wife, Alison. Welcome, Alison. Thank you, Mike. So what are we talking about this week, and why?
0: Well, last time we discussed receiving the news of your cancer diagnosis in a meeting with a consultant. This time, we're going to talk about passing on that news to our children. Why are we doing that? Well, that's a good question. But despite it not being the easiest of topics, we felt that we wanted to cover it in this series because family conversations and interactions are so important when dealing with a major life change of the kind that we went through in autumn 2017.
1: We should probably start then by itemising our children for our podcast listeners.
0: I'm not really sure I want to itemise them, but we have three grown-up children, two girls and a boy, who were 24, 29 and 31 at the time of your diagnosis. They're somewhat different personalities, but got on really well most of the time, and a really great company. We love them to bits and we see a lot of them as they all still live locally.
1: And so the situation was that they were aware that I had some medical appointments regarding a lump in my groin area, and we then let them know that we were going into the hospital to have a meeting with a consultant.
0: And what was really interesting about that was we asked them all how they wanted us to pass the information on to them after the meeting. One of them wanted a text, another
1: opted for a phone call, and the third was keen to talk about it face to face. And while those responses were partly due to their circumstances on the day, the way that they each processed the information was very much in line with their different personalities. And that was a big message for us to ensure that we had the right kind of conversations with each of them.
0: Yes, they were quite different. For example, the number of follow-up questions they asked and the amount of detail they wanted. That was very much in keeping with the way that they are wired and how they deal with things. We therefore decided that we would happily discuss any aspect of the situation with any of them at any time, but would largely leave it to them if they wanted additional information or were keen to dig deeper into any specific points.
1: And that did lead to different kinds of conversations with each of them. But we think that was probably the right way to deal with the situation for us as a family. And we did, of course, keep them informed with relevant bulletins about my progress through the various cycles of my treatment. But
0: inevitably, it was a difficult and upsetting time, and it was often hard to know what to say, how to communicate it, and when to do that. We definitely didn't get it right all of the time, but we
1: thought it might be worthwhile to share some of the things that we tried to do. First and foremost, we always endeavoured to be honest and open. Our experience of parenting over the years, and especially as the children became older, was that they appreciated having the honest, direct conversations, rather than things being left vague or unsaid, which can lead to uncertainty, worry, most of all confusion.
0: Secondly we gave them the main facts and provided additional details and information whenever that was requested or became relevant. We felt that it would help them to know the ins and outs of your diagnosis and treatment but we also tried to avoid information overload and we found that giving them a good amount of information helped them to explain the situation to other people as there weren't any elements that would trip them up because of a feeling that they didn't have the whole picture.
1: Thirdly We let them know how we were feeling about the challenges ahead, how we were planning to deal with things practically, but also our thoughts about how we were hoping to be able to deal with the situation individually, as a couple, and as a family.
0: We also tried to make room for everyone's feelings. It was very important to us that we were all in this together and that we would support each other. We didn't want to impose unreasonable expectations of holding everything together perfectly when it was likely that each of us would experience a wide range of powerfully felt emotions and would have some wobbly times.
1: And indeed, that came to pass, with the roller coaster of emotions taking each of us on multiple rides, sometimes even within a single day.
0: We also tried to ensure that we discussed practical issues that could be helpful, ranging from how to deal with different kinds of questions from people to how to make life as straightforward and simple as possible for all of us.
1: And what was also very important, I think, was that we tried to live out our faith in those new circumstances in a way that was real and meaningful, not only for us, but also for the children. When something happens to bring home the realisation that your parents aren't going to be around forever, that can be pretty challenging and hard to process. Getting the balance between optimism and realism is definitely tricky in those circumstances, but we did our best, I think, not to shy away from the possibility of less positive outcomes, while still appreciating the precious nature of life and the richness of the relationships that we are so privileged to have.
0: And one of the other things that was very important, I think, was that we tried to give all of the children the time that they needed to process the situation, talk things through and just be with
1: us. Yes, I would definitely agree with that. Despite a recent conversation that I had with one of our children, I really thought that I had done pretty well in that area, but the feedback that I received was that I had actually closed down at times when undergoing treatment and hadn't been as communicative as I thought that I had been. And when I asked you about it, lo and behold, you confirmed that part of my coping mechanism had definitely been to go into an energy-saving mode that was characterised by significantly reduced levels of communication at times.
0: Well, you said that you wanted the honest conversation, and I was happy to oblige although I can completely understand why you dealt with the situation in that way.
1: We're going to leave it there for today. We appreciate that everyone's situation is different and that a number of factors, not least the age of the children, can affect how we deal with these issues. But we hope that this conversation has been of some help and interest to you.
0: And if you'd like to get in touch with your own comments or feedback, please email us at foapodcast at freerangepodcasting.co.uk. We will be delighted to hear from you and we very much hope that you will join us next time when we will be talking about some of the other conversations that we had when letting people know about mike's diagnosis
1: our and finally slot episode this month features seven facts and observations about the 1998 film stepmom starring susan sarandon and julia roberts number one the director really is called chris columbus and his production company really is called 1492 Films, in homage to the discovery of America by the original Christopher Columbus in that year. Second point. Columbus has an impressive directing portfolio, including Home Alone, Home Alone 2, and the first two Harry Potter films. Number three. Stepmom is billed as a comedy-drama. Despite telling the story of family frictions as a terminally ill mother battles not only cancer, but the feeling that she is losing her children to the woman who is about to become their stepmum. Next up is the fact that the film is dedicated to Irene Columbus, the director's mother, who died from cancer on December 28, 1995, at the age of 61. Number five Columbus often gave roles in his films to family members, with each of his four children appearing in at least one Harry Potter film and his mother having a walk-on part in Nine Months, which starred Hugh Grant and Julianne Moore. His eldest daughter, Eleanor, also features in Stepmom, as a girl in the school play. Number six. The film was released on December 25th, 1998, and its storyline concludes on Christmas Day, with added poignancy being created by the fact that the anniversary of Irene Columbus's death comes just after Christmas, on the 28th of December. And finally, number seven. Think carefully before you watch Stepmom as a date night with your wife because you're interested to find out what it will be like to watch it after having had cancer compared with the pre-cancer viewing experience. Certainly, you should only do that if you're prepared to have tears streaming down each of your faces during that final scene when acceptance is finally achieved as Susan Sarandon's character says, Let's get a picture with the whole family. And Ain't No Mountain High Enough starts to blast out as the image freezes and the credits roll. So thank you very much indeed for joining us for this episode of the Friends Banker podcast. And please get in touch with your thoughts, feedback, questions and suggestions via email at foapodcast at freerangepodcasting.co.uk. I hope that you will join me again next time, when my guest will be fundraiser extraordinaire, marathon man Matt Huntington. In the meantime, this week's shout-out goes to all of those contributing to the new Anchor Centre in whatever capacity. Thank you so much for your attention to detail and your determination to create the best possible facility for cancer and haematology care in the northeast of Scotland. Your efforts are greatly appreciated.
0: This podcast has been brought to you
2: by Free Range Podcasting. Let us take you and your podcast where you want to go.